This is Blooming Transformations with your host, Laura Kossoff. Welcome to Blooming Transformations. I'm Laura Kossoff, and I'm very excited to speak with and learn from today's guest. Elizabeth Hall is a certified intuitive eating counselor and body image life coach who has studied the science and psychology behind the relationship with food and body to better understand her own behaviors. Elizabeth now offers her clients the same information, tools, and techniques that have helped her learn to appreciate and accept herself and her body and feel more present and alive in her life. Her practice is Elizabeth Hall Coaching. Welcome, Elizabeth. Hi, Laura. Thanks for having me today. Please tell us about your coaching and what brought you to do this work. Absolutely. So as with many people in whatever coaching field they're in, I was brought to the coaching that I do through my own history with food and body. I was a chronic dieter. That's how I would describe myself, which is not something I really recognized until I was into my 40s. I probably started around age 12 and just thought it was normal. And that's what we're supposed to do is to grow up counting calories and getting on the scale every day and other dieting behaviors like that. And then I kind of woke up in my 40s and thought, I'm not sure if this is what it's supposed to be like. I had a few conversations with some people and they're like, we don't think that way every day. So I realized, huh, interesting. So I started doing a deep dive into sort of why do we do what we do with food? And it led me down some very interesting roads. And out of it came my coaching practice, which is all about helping other people explore their relationship with food to see what they can learn about themselves. And you focus on intuitive eating. So for anyone who may not be familiar with that concept, would you explain it? Absolutely. So I learned intuitive eating from Evelyn Triboli and Elise Resch, who have the book of the same name, Intuitive Eating, a book that they actually wrote in 1995, and it's in its fourth iteration. They just updated it last year. And it's basically a grouping of 10 principles that help guide us through having a healthy relationship with food and body. And what it boils down to in those 10 principles is this idea of listening to your own body learning how to tune into your own wisdom, understanding your relationship with hunger and fullness, with your emotions, understanding your relationship with nutrition and exercise, and bringing it to a place that's more aligned and harmonious, as opposed to sort of the culture that we're in, which is a little more punishing, more restrictive, it's more based on external measures of success. So it's really bringing everything back to ourselves and our individual stories and finding what works for our bodies. And by works, I mean, makes us feel good and strong and allows us to have the energy to show up in our lives. So in intuitive eating, it sounds like the focus is more on how we eat than what we eat. Correct. It's a little bit of both. The what we eat definitely gets pushed to the back burner as we explore first how and what is the energy that goes into that experience. Where's the satisfaction? Where's the pleasure? Are we listening to our own bodies or are we following the rules from someone outside telling us what's good for us, what's not? It's interesting. We're born intuitive eaters. We know how much to eat. We push away what we don't want. We want more of what we do. And we lose that along the way. So this is really the experimentation process of bringing that back online. 
it can take a while, especially with the way we get out of our bodies and we get into our heads these days. That process of really learning, what do I like? What don't I like? What makes my body feel good? And taking yourself through that exploration without judgment and with a whole bunch of self-compassion. And the heart of it is allowing ourselves to be the experts, not just going by external guidelines, restrictions, or plans, but really listening to ourselves and letting our own hunger, sense of fullness, and what we're craving be the guide. A hundred percent. It doesn't mean we throw every resource out, but we learn to get very discerning and we follow the different resources that sound like that would work for our body or that would feel good to our body. And we allow ourselves to try things. Maybe this did feel good to my body. Maybe this didn't feel good to my body, but without making someone outside of us the expert of us. It was interesting learning about giving ourselves permission to focus on our own rhythms, not just it's time for lunch because it's 12 o'clock. So not allowing external time frames to dictate when we eat or even what we eat, like it's breakfast, I'm supposed to eat this, or it's lunchtime, I'm supposed to eat that, but really listening to whatever we need at that point. Exactly, exactly. Because our bodies are very wise and our bodies know. And like you said, we get very conditioned to eat by the clock or to eat certain foods at certain times. And again, that's where that exploration comes in. So we can find out, well, when I eat breakfast at this time and I eat this kind of breakfast, how do I feel? It's really quite simple in some ways and we make it very complicated. The other part to that that I would add is sometimes we don't know how we feel. And so that might be where we need to start is, am I in my body or am I in my head? And that's a whole big piece of the exploration as well. Because if we're not attuned to what our bodies feel like, or if there's any sense of safety has been evaporated by many reasons that that can happen, we do have to take that gentle trip to get back into the body slowly and compassionately so that we can tell what feels good. And have you noticed that eating habits have changed during COVID? Have you seen any trends from your perspective? Yeah, and, and I see it going two ways. So I see some people have had a slowdown where maybe they've looked at some of the things they've been doing and decided that didn't really feel good to me, but I was in such a go, go, go mode. Maybe I'd like to shift something that might feel better. So I've seen some people have a healing when it comes to their relationship with food. And then I've seen other people through the increased stress and through the fear that's running through the culture, understandably so, maybe has gotten a little more disconnected from their relationship with food. And then our culture really doesn't help because they jump on board and they're shaming and blaming bodies for changing. What I believe is we need to thank our bodies for getting us through this scary experience. And again, go back to that attunement of how can I best serve my body without judgment, understanding that bodies shift and change when things happen, and not going into some kind of backlash reaction, trying to control and shift and change the body. It's really about understanding why we do what we do, having compassion, and meeting ourselves where we're at without judging it. So both sides of the coin happen through this experience. And to me, it just sort of identifies what was already present. For many people, if they didn't have a very healthy relationship with food, it might have gotten worse. And at the same time, it was a great opportunity for some people to start to explore that relationship. 
Yeah. And the last year and a half has been so difficult in so many ways. Do you think in any way there's been some positive shifting in terms of people feeling more comfortable with themselves, seeing other people on Zoom in their sweats, maybe not wearing makeup, stop dyeing their hair, or seeing that lots of other people wear glasses? Just seeing that other people look like real people without all the externals. Yeah, and, and I think that's actually highlighting a trend that's a good trend that's been happening lately in that we're getting much more realistic about what people actually look like. I think most people are getting pretty clear that when you see Photoshop people with filters on Instagram or in other media, that that's not a realistic representation of what a human looks like. So I do think that that trend had started and COVID definitely helped when people couldn't go get their hair cut or dyed or do whatever they might have been doing before. And we could just get a little more real with each other. And this is what a human being looks like and a human being under stress. I do see some more acceptance in that realm and hoping that trend will continue. You told me that you see the relationship with food as a spiritual one. Would you share more about that? To me, the spirituality of the food realm is this idea that we need to get more present with ourselves, that we're going within. So to me, my spiritual journey has gone along the same time as my food journey. And the parallels were so profound to me. Again, this acceptance, the forgiveness, the self-compassion for yourself and for your fellow people in this world, in this planet, because we're all gloriously in different representations of bodies. So just that opening, that opening to diversity, the opening to the fact that we're all here having this experience, it's just going to look different for different people. And again, that going within for my own answers. To me, that's really kind of what the spiritual path is all about. I was invited to do that on my food journey, which again, I think also opened me up to more of a spiritual journey because the more we beat ourselves up and try to fit ourselves into something that we're not, the more closed off we are. But once we start to open that door just even a little bit, that's when all kinds of possibilities and potentials can start to emerge, which again, to me is also part of that spiritual awakening feeling of, oh, wow, I didn't even know this was possible because I've been over here for 30 years counting my calories on a little list. And when I pick my head up and let go of all of this judgment and shame and guilt, it just completely opened my world. That to me was akin to a spiritual awakening. That's really profound. And I think that food can be a very creative and grounding experience too. I love to cook and bake and there's something so beautiful about the process of taking some ingredients, mixing them together, putting them in the oven, and then having a loaf of bread. It's like a magical experience, really a feeling of creation, and also very nurturing to eat something that you've cooked or baked yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And when we infuse that joy and that pleasure and that love into our food, literally, then we feed ourselves that. It really is that profound that we are taking that in. Whereas, you know, when we're trying to put something into our bodies that maybe we don't like, but feel like we should be eating, it's just a completely different experience. So yeah, that nourishment is huge. 
It's nurturing the soul in addition to the body. I know that we have similar perspectives on wellness, that it's not a one-size-fits-all approach. So how do you encourage your clients to trust their inner wisdom to honor their unique needs? It starts with the foundation of self-compassion. So we usually start there and come back to that over and over and over and over again. And then working on just awareness, awareness of how we're feeling in each moment and allowing that to be okay without judgment. As we keep exploring, how do we want to feel? And just asking ourselves a whole bunch of questions, not from a judging, I need to get somewhere kind of place, but more of a, I'm curious what's possible. If I want to feel better in my body, or if I want to change some of my habits around food, whatever it is that we're looking for, there's always some kind of a solution. And we know what it is. So it really is maybe some handholding and just some helping people to ground and center and calm the nervous system enough that they can access that wisdom. And in the beginning, it might take just continuing to repeat that it's possible or sharing that maybe it's not impossible. Sometimes we just take that approach and then taking some baby steps, take a little action, see how it feels, move a little forward. Can you move the needle even 1% towards where you want to go in terms of feeling better? And just reducing the urgency of feeling like we have to change overnight in our culture of 30 days to a new you or jump on Mm -hmm. this plan or this diet or, or whatnot. Nothing has to change immediately. It's really taking those baby steps that will then start to show us the evidence that says, yeah, this does feel good. I want to keep going in this direction. And research has shown that intuitive eating can lead to better self-esteem, body image, and overall quality of life. Are there any other benefits that you've seen? Yeah, absolutely. It really spreads out into people's entire existence. So I have clients who we start talking about intuitive eating and what we really start talking about is how are you being in life in general? And then before they know it, work situations have gotten better or relationships have gotten better. Their relationship with their body has gotten better. They start really befriending their body and then working with it instead of feeling like it's this thing I need to control and fix. So I can see why that would help with self-esteem and body image, because no longer are you judging something constantly. You are really, again, coming at it from this perspective of this is my body. This is the body I have, and I'm going to love it and nourish it as opposed to try to control it and manage it and change it from a place of fear or loathing. That's never going to get you to a place that you want to be because you're not coming from an energy of of love. I can see many ripple effects from the intuitive eating in many areas of life. And on that note, on your website, you refer to a concept from Tara Brock, a writer and teacher of meditation and healing. She talks about waking up from the trance of unworthiness. How can someone do this, moving away from limiting beliefs and connecting with self-compassion and self-nurturing? Yeah, great question. Again, I think it just starts with the belief that it's possible. 
So that quote about the trance of unworthiness really stuck with me when I heard it because for 30 years, again, I was in this bubble of always trying to fix myself, but from a place of something's wrong. And instead of from a place of acceptance and pleasure and how can things be more fun? It was always something I need to fix. So I felt like I was in that trance of unworthiness. And I think many of us are. And it's a protective measure because we are on the lookout for danger. So it makes sense. But then I think we reach this point where we're more resilient and we're more capable and we can ask some gentle questions and maybe start to wake up from those feelings of unworthiness again with these baby steps and just this idea that something else might be possible. I think that just opens the door and that's all you need. And then you get to pick how you want to step through it and what you want to explore. And there are so many amazing, wonderful ways to wake up these days. So many avenues, whether it's through a job or through a relationship or through your relationship with food, so many ways to explore. And I just see it all as opportunity now, as opposed to a should or a have to, or a desire to change or control something. It feels so much better. Yeah. And it seems like it's not so much goal oriented because it's not about weight loss. It's about having a healthy and balanced attitude toward food and eating and the self, really just a healthy way of living and not this sense of when I get to this place, then I will be worthy, worthy of love or feeling good about myself, but really being present and balanced in the moment. Yeah, 100%. And and we do that when I get here, I'll be worthy with so many things. Again, it can be weight, or it can be jobs or relationships, or when I get that car, when I get that house, it gets tricky, because obviously, we want to feel good in our bodies, too. But that doesn't have to have a weight associated with it, we can do many, many things to feel good in our bodies. And our bodies will then know what to do. We just nourish it and care for it. And it knows how to respond. It's very intelligent. Yeah, and I thought it was fascinating that one of the principles in the book Intuitive Eating by Evelyn Triboli and Elise Resch was about honoring one's overall health. So it's about looking at stress management, sleep, happiness, and nutrition is part of that, but it's looking at the whole picture and honoring ourselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I find that where we go off track, again, is someone will say not feel very good in their bodies. And the culture will say, well, maybe if your weight changed, you would feel better. When in reality, someone is dealing with massive amounts of stress, or they're not having good sleep, or maybe they don't have access to quality health care, or even access to quality food. So again, and this is where it comes back to what you're saying before, too, that everybody's story is completely different. We cannot compare our experience to anyone else's, no matter what it is. And we really have to just come back to our own story and get curious. But within our own stories, there are so many potentials for feeling better that are not based on a number. It's based on attitude. Like you said, it's based on sleep. It's based on how much fun are you having? There's so many different components to our overall health picture that, yeah, we really need to look at a much more integrated lens than we do in our culture. Yes, a much more holistic approach that values so many different factors. 
Yeah. So many different components. And, and again, that's where the mind, body, spirit comes in for me again. Before I went on my dieting journey, I had no emotional awareness. I had no spiritual awareness. I just controlled my physical body for a very long time. And then when I got to the place where I realized that didn't feel very good, I started expanding my emotional awareness, my spiritual awareness. And I actually let go of the physical a little bit. And now I realize it's everything. We're bringing it all back together. Like we're finding that sweet middle ground where the emotional awareness, the spiritual work, the mental mindset piece, defining my own success for myself. It doesn't depend on anyone else's story. And then bring in that physical. And by that, I mean, what are the foods that make me feel good? And what is the movement that I enjoy that I'm going to do because it's fun? And it's just such a different place to be than in that black and white calorie counting dieting mindset, much more nourishing. And it seems like it comes from a place of joy and love rather than fear and restriction. Yeah. And that's why I feel like the personal development path is just essential on the food journey if we're trying to heal our relationship with food, because the more we like ourselves, the more we're going to want to take the time to take care of ourselves. And the more we're going to be willing to experiment and play and have fun and do the things that really are going to make us feel good. And in terms of any final thoughts, if someone listening to this is feeling a sense of resonance with what you're saying and what we're discussing, what thoughts would you share on where to start? Yeah, I would say um, definitely the book is a great resource if you just want to know about intuitive eating itself. I am a big fan of journaling. So I do a lot of asking myself questions about what do I want? just opening the door to that imagination and exploration. How do I want to feel? Am I feeling the way that I want to feel in my life right now? Again, not feeling like I have to change everything overnight, but knowing that anything is possible. We are incredibly resilient, strong beings with so much potential and possibility. So I would say also just follow what lights you up. What seems interesting to you that you might want to explore in yourself this shouldn't feel like a painful experience. It's not always easy at all to explore ourselves and learn about ourselves, but just start gentle and small and with something that's interesting to you, whether it's a podcast, a blog post, or a book, anything can get the ball rolling. Excellent. You can find out more about Elizabeth's work, including her coaching sessions, workshops, and scheduling a free 45-minute discovery call on her website, elizabethhallcoaching.com. I will include this link on my podcast page on Buzzsprout and also with the podcast listings on my website. Elizabeth, thank you so much for the work you do in sharing all that you have learned with others to support them in honoring their bodies and their whole selves. You help others from the heart, approaching your work with humanity, warmth, and positive energy. It has been such a privilege to talk with you today and learn from all that you have shared. So thank you very much. Thank you, Laura. And thank you for bringing these amazing messages to people so that they can learn from you as well. Thank you very much for listening. This is Laura Kossoff. To learn more about my work, please visit my website, bloominglifepossibilities.com. 
The contents of this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and not intended as medical advice. Please consult with qualified health professionals on any matters relating to your own health and wellness.